Welcome to the CBIA BizCast, powered by Google. I'm your host, Ali Warshavsky, and today on our podcast, we're joined by Kevin Hussein, who is the Associate Vice President of AI Engineers, and really has a unique story of how he came to be where he is at AI Engineers, and also um, very involved in diversity, equity, and inclusion. So we're going to ask him about that. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. But before we go into anything else, I do want to congratulate you because you were just named, um, you're on the board of directors of the American Council of Engineer Companies of Connecticut, but named their 2022 member of the year. I think that's the first time they've ever even had that award, correct? Correct. Thank you very much for having me, Ali. Yes, correct. That is the first time. And it was a pleasure. Congrats. That's a big honor. Now, you know, I just gave you this intro about your interesting background. Um, you know, you had mentioned to us you came here on a student visa. Um, explain about that. How did you end up at AI Engineers and in such uh, an involved role with the company and with the uh, council? Yeah, thank you very much. And again, I appreciate the um, having me in the, sh- in the podcast. But, um, you know, it actually really takes village. And I said that in one of my posts that, you know, if it wasn't for the um, support of um, Abul, who's the CEO and my boss, to getting me directly involved, you know, and giving you the opportunity, and um, I would not have been able to get that that award of the year. And it actually, I didn't even put it in my office. I actually put it right in the front door because I told them it's a team effort, you know. And you know what it what it is? It's actually opportunities, and that's what how it all started. You know, I as you said, I did come here on a student visa. And I, um, most of my family were in New York and, you know, I came to New York and I saw a lot of my friends struggling to keep up, you know, at a young age. And I said, you know what, I don't think I can survive in New York because of all the uh, distractions. And that's when I, I, I looked at the different um, opportunities and I said, okay, Connecticut looks to be pretty, you know, in a strategic location, you know, between New York and Boston. And it looks like that might be the spot. And I ended up coming up, visited, I loved it. And then, you know, like you said, I applied to a Capital Community College for a student visa and I was accepted for a two-year degree. And um, that's how my story started. I, I, I um, went to Capital because I couldn't sure, I wasn't sure if I can attend a four-year college, right? Because at the time it was, the cost was really expensive for me as a, as a student from a, uh, internationally from the Caribbean uh, where my parents were still back there. And I, um, I chose Connecticut strategically because of that and the quality of life, but also, like I said, I was affordable at the time. And, um, you know, they say, I remember one of the things I heard was that um, if you love what you do, you'd never work a day in your life. So I chose my career based on, all right, I said, what can I do 50% of the time in the office and 50% of the time outside? And um, engineering came up and that's how um, I became an engineer. And Luckily, I was able to transition into the University of Hartford for two and a half years to get my undergrad. And then I started a few um, engineering firms in, uh, for about 10 years. And then in 2018, seems like yesterday, it's almost eight years now, I, I started with AI. And as they say, the rest is history. Yeah. And, and you know, we've been talking a lot here, and I'm sure you have um and because I know you're involved in a lot of organizations and politics about how do we keep a student in Connecticut? And you're the prime example, right? You came here, chose Connecticut, um, a great option, obviously, between New York and Boston, like you said, but um, and it's a great state. And um, then you stayed. You know, what kept you here? Where are you living now? I, I actually live in, a, in Bloomfield now. Um, initially, when I moved there, I, I was in Hartford, went to school in Hartford, started in the North End, you know, Albany, Albany, the Albany Avenue corridor there. I took the bus to the University of Hartford. I, up to yesterday, I, I um, actually two days ago, um, I was at, at the pool with some of my friends 
and I've never done a shotgun before. So you can edit this part out, but I, that's the first shotgun I've ever did. And they said, what school did you go to? I said, I went to the University of Hartford. They're like, you never did this? I'm like, no. They're like, why? I said, actually, you know, I work full time and I went to school full time. and I live off campus, right? I didn't have the opportunities like 99% of the kids to have a pretty cool college life, right? I didn't get to party, I didn't get the shotgun. I mean, I, I get a lot of cool folks and I made a lot of great relationships, but everyone's path is different, right? And I just had to figure out, you know, working, going to school full-time. You know, I didn't want to pressure my family, you know, and they did help me significantly, you know, but I had to do a lot of it myself. And because of that, I had to skip a lot of your day-to-day fun activities, but I was able to um, do it now. You know, when I live in Bloomfield now, I, um, I recently sold my house a few years ago and I moved into Bloomfield, but I'm heavily involved in the town because you know I am an immigrant and I believe heavily in giving others an opportunity like myself like I mentioned before opportunity and at the time I was um, when I became a naturalized citizen I chose the Democratic Party because they have a bigger immigration package and because of that I got heavily involved in my town I'm on the town planning and zoning um, committee I'm on the town inland wetlands commission also part of the design review board and that was my way to giving back to the public right this is my way to share my story and giving back to, to the, 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 the state that provided all these opportunities for me. And coming back to your question, it was that, it was the quality of life, it was the, the arts and the culture, it was the, um, you know, being feeling inclusive and welcoming, that was key. You know, it's a heavy Caribbean population, but even the non-Caribbean or the, you know, your coworkers, they don't look like you, right? They look different, even your classmates. And I think having that welcoming and, you know, that, that inclusive, um, feeling was really key to what, you know, what helped guided me. Now you explained your path capital to University of Hartford. And then how did you find AI engineers or did they recruit you? You know, it's a funny story. I would, um, I, even before I, um, I, 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 um, I do a lot of these events at AI now, but even prior to that, I was always, maybe my second column was like business or something like that, because I'm heavily involved in the business and the politics of it. Like, I always like to know what makes, ha- what happens in the background. So I would always go to these events and I'd meet different people and run into a few folks from AI, but it never crossed my mind. And then when I transitioned from a large, very large firm with about, you know, 25,000 people nationwide, when you're just a number versus you go, then I went to a, a semi-larger firm, you know, but they were still national. And then you said, you know what, I wanted to do something that's more local. They're headquartered here in, in Connecticut. They are a large firm, a medium-sized firm in our industry. But I said, let me see what it feels like to come with something, working with a, a startup that here in Connecticut. And it was the best decision in my life. It, it, it was, you know, it, everyone, it's, 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 it's amazing because it's, there is the CEO, but he gives us a, the opportunity to be mini CEOs, if you want to call it. He gives us the opportunity to do what you want, obviously make money for the company and obviously <laughs> make an honest living, but he gives you the opportunity to be agile. And he preaches that a lot, right? We have a very agile um, organization. It's very fluid because I always think, you know, you can't take, you know, a, a, a wrong block and put it into a square peg, right? It, it doesn't work like that. But if you be fluid, you can then uh, you can then be more versatile. And I think that's what we're doing and what we were prepared for for the last five years because the new workforce, the Gen Zs and millennials, they don't want to do, they don't want to be cornered, right? Everything shows at your event, it shows that they want to be engaged in different and multifaceted type of jack of all trades. And I think that was one of the opportunities that AI presented being with a mid-sized local firm. 
And you're a civil engineer by background. Now you're a senior manager of the bridge development team. I'm sure Connecticut's aging infrastructure might make up a big part of your job. Yes, absolutely. You know, I, um, that's what I started on. I started doing a lot of bridge inspections and I actually climbed and or traveled the most, a lot over our local bridges. And it was one of the local bridge collapse in Connecticut that started actually the, the bridge inspection program nationally, you know, mm -hmm. where the FHWA, the federal highway started this bridge inspection program. And we, you know, we, we, we finally have the bill. We've, I've, as I said, I've always, we're always in front of the special transportation committee. We're always in front of, you know, trying to refill the Connecticut um, SDF funds, the special transportation funds. You know, we tried to toll in Well, we didn't try. We supported anything that helped with the revenue to, to fund the SDF, the special transportation, we supported. Tolan came up and we supported it because it, it, it's, it supplied money. But now, luckily, you know, um, President Biden and, and his um, legislators were able to pass the um, EJA, you know, infrastructure bill. And though um, it's really great and that's going to help us and put us in, in, in a good place, we have the, the challenge of the workforce, you know, issues. But yes, I, I climbed a lot of the bridges in Connecticut. In fact, my if I did if I did a little shut my video off, you'll see me on oh, a bridge here. <laughs> this one is actually New York City, one of the um, East River bridges. I do a lot of work yeah. in New York City too, and um, but yeah, we you know the infrastructure has been struggling for a year, neglected. We see recently what happened here. Sorry, we see what happened in Pittsburgh, and you know we're trying not to make that happen again. And I think with this bill, it's going to help us with getting you know putting the resources and the funding where it needs to be and making sure our improving our overall grade c or c minus now to an a or a plus after almost 50 years of neglect so is ai seeing um those infrastructure funds because of public private partnerships with the state they're contracting you to maybe take those drones out and in inspect the bridges how do you guys benefit from those funds yeah, well, we we haven't done specifically any, um, like as you said, P three public private private partnerships yet, but we are we're starting to venture into that, and but we are doing a lot of consulting. We are a consultant for the state DOT and other um, Connecticut agencies, and yes, they are in charge of that. And you're absolutely right. You know, um, I, I, a lot of time when I travel, someone says AI or is that artificial intelligence? I said we do artificial <laughs> intelligence, but no. It's the owners of Bull Islam's name. I told him he can actually sell his name and probably make millions of dollars because everyone wants to buy AI or right? AI engineering. But honestly speaking, one of the big things that I saw when the, when when COVID hit, a lot of owners and asset managers and owners like the DOTs and the, you know other agencies and I'll, I'll speak and throw the entire East Coast from New York to Boston. They they um, I think they were very reluctant when when the, when COVID hit to you know explore different options. And when the technology part came in, like you mentioned, the drones and the 3D scanning and now artificial intelligence, it took off like, it took off really fast because all of a sudden now everyone bought in because they realized there's a there's a cultural shift. COVID has created this shift, you know, in the climate, not only necessarily the climate, but in, in the entire industry, in all the industries, right? And the, the technology took off beyond what we would expect it. And now we actually deploy more technology because it is such a cost savings, right? It, it, what, what, what we can do before now, we're doing it almost a third at a time, which means that, you know, it's a savings there for the client and they didn't have the money at the time. But the more important thing too, it helps with safety. Instead of closing major highways and having, you know, 10 people out there, 
people speeding in the work zone, we can deploy the technology sometimes like the drones. We'll look at things in a more safer pattern. And then if we see something, now we go out there. So instead of being there 10 days in convenience and you and your commute to work, we can only go out there now two days or maybe one day and try to get most of it done that way. So the technology definitely is, is helping us with safety and costs. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, you obviously seem to like traveling up those large bridges, but for someone like me, if I could just send a, a drone there and not have to look down a few thousand feet, I might be better off. So that, that's a, I know that's the way the world is going, and I have... Um, worked with AI engineers so long and I'm just putting together in this podcast, which maybe I shouldn't admit that AI stands for his name. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what it says about me and probably, uh, well, it says that I probably am not smart enough to be an engineer. So kudos to you, but um, that's really funny that um, he could sell that for artificial intelligence now. Um, you know, one of the big parts of your role, obviously, besides making sure the bridges are safe throughout uh, the Northeast and East Coast, I should say, is diversity, equity, and inclusion at AI. And also, you're on the committee, committee uh, for the American Council of Engineer Companies. Um, you know, why is that a passion for you? I guess I could probably guess, you know, you did come over here as an immigrant, but why are you still invested in, in increasing diversity, equity, and inclusion in your own company and throughout engineering companies? Yes, thanks. You know, you know, ACC National, regionally and locally in Connecticut, where um, where I am and part of the board, you know, we embrace acceptance. We try to reject hate and affirm the values of diversity, equity, inclusion, and we add belonging, right? Because that's a big part of it too, right? And it just refers to our commitment to, you know, improving the lives and, and the values, you know, of these values, right? Um, I think I think we need to uplift our industry folks because I'll be honest with you, it is a definitely uh, um, a male, white male dominant industry. So what we're trying to do is trying to, um, you know, help um, help with programs to highlight, you know, the importance of DIMB in this industry. And there's different uh, mission statements that we push or different initiatives. We wanna, we push like uh, employee recruitment strategies that specifically encourage candidates from, you know, underprivileged and minority communities. As I said, I was in Hartford. So we're, we're trying to hit a lot of, um, we're trying to do a lot of scholarship. Like before we have scholarship for, um, you know, anyone that's going into the engineering program. And recently we've added, it, well, one has to be a minority scholarship. So that's another thing that we're looking at. We're trying to push, you know, STEM in the high schools and areas that, you know, that are, are, we don't see a lot of women or minorities or people of color coming out of, right? Especially LGBTQ persons and other representative, you know, people in the engineering industry in Connecticut. We're trying to improve, we're trying to improve the workforce diversity. We're looking at, you know, at all level uh, of leadership because if it doesn't start with the top, with the leaders buying in, it's all for nothing because if your leaders don't buy in on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, honestly, it's going to be you know it's going to be uh, it's going to be a field you know. So we need to get um, paths for leadership so they can see what needs to be done. Again, employee training initiatives are really big for us. Um, you know, we have to educate the people that we're who are doing the topics too. We just can't say, oh, I have a DEI and B, but then you ask them and you know they don't know. And then we encourage among other business partners too. So not only in our firm, any of our uh, sub-consultants, any of our vendors or anyone else, we try to say, hey, what's your DEINB? And believe it or not, a lot of agencies now are scoring proposals and scoring businesses when you go after jobs. Tell me about your DEINB program that you have. You know, like I believe 
I think the city of Philadelphia once told someone, hey, if you don't look like us or work, look, or, 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 or think, like, or, I'm sorry, if you don't look like us, we don't want you to work with us. And I know, and I know some folks might take that as, hey, you know, that could be, you know, a different issue. But the fact is that, you know, we want, they want some of them wants to see that women are being paid equally as men. They want to see what your minority breakdown is. They want to see, you know, how much females in your staff, how many people of color is on your staff, you know. And again, we're always promoting, you know, outreach, active community outreach through specific programs, you know, such as volunteerism, reinforcing true, you know, like I mentioned, you know, programs that, as an example, other examples of how it can be done. But again, it's just important that we, 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 we send a message, make it addressed. You, the, the other part is that, I'm sorry, is there is an, an unconscious bias in our industry and in, in everyone, in, in everyone, right? So we need to have those tough conversations. We need to bring up, like, why is there so much white people in this room, in a room full of white people, right? And it's fine to know, especially in a male dominated industry to say certain things like that to make the women feel safer to make the colored folks feel safer they need to talk about that sorry i can go on and on about this but i think it's it's just one of those things that finally it's coming to the forefront it took forever but we just need to start uh doing it more in our industry especially the aec industry yeah and i was gonna ask you um you know where do you see with engineering where is it lacking is it lacking a lot of women is it lacking people of color um you know where do you think engineering needs to start to branch out more into um to diversify the industry i think you can check all those boxes all of them are correct you know um ACEC did a, a program um recently about two months ago um at illicit brewery in manchester and it was an all our first all women panel and it was on dei and b we had uh, we had um some industry folks we had women we have women from um the WTS, the women, in, uh, uh, we had um, Mayor Daniel Wong uh, from Bloomfield, who are good friends, the only black um, um, mayor in the 169 towns and, and cities in, in Connecticut. And um, it was a very powerful um, um, event. But one of the things that stood out to me is when we had the Q&A, um, a female white engineer, um, young engineer came up and said, you know what one of the things that i would have liked to see is that when you guys came and did the stand program in my high school it was all men so i think i thought this was only for the boys you know and I, she and that was very impactful to me so we need to have people like she said looks like me and looks like her at some of these stand programs or in these high schools right people of color and women women of color especially right because you know and i think that stood out to me a lot that we need to start engaging but we engage with people that look like our community, right? That looks like what we would like it to be. And to be honest with you, and I think it was one, one of your programs, you know, 10 years ago, the minority was only 0.1% in the workforce. And I think now it's one in four, it's 25%, where it's a colored person or um, someone of Hispanic or something that's one in, one in four, 25%. So we can see where that's trending. So I think, yes, definitely, we definitely need to change the uh, outlook. And I think there's a lot of owners and like I mentioned before, Connecticut is a safe and welcoming state, and I think there's a lot of push. Uh, but I, I also know that I was in a national conference in D.C. a month ago, and I've heard challenges from other states, and they're actually politicizing the EINB. They're like, well, I don't have to do that. Why are you making me do that? So, I mean, in a, our state isn't a good place, but I think we're, we, nationally we have to come a far away, unfortunately. 
Yeah. And, and what resonates with me too, is, you know, we've, we, or I, at least part of my job, I see so many students um, talk at events and, and they say a lot of them um, recently, I think I've heard two say, oh, I thought, you know, I wanted to go into nursing because I saw my mom do it. It seemed like a good path. And then this STEM program came into my school and I was like, oh, I actually like engineering. Like one girl was speaking about, she's using 3d printers to create heart models. And she's like, but I didn't think women like me could did that. And it's, it's sad in a way to hear that, that people think they're restricted by their race or their gender. Um, but hopefully bringing more STEM programs into schools. And like you said, with women of color, with a people of color, um, in just in women in general, will show them that, nope, you, you can do this. Um, your career path isn't chosen by your race or gender. Um, you know, you, again, said you chose the Bloomfield Hartford area because it was a diverse place to live and, and, and it had provided you with a good quality of life. Um, but what are some ways you think Connecticut could improve itself as a place to live and place to work? You know, I, um, I have my, uh, my young kids are in, in also Bloomfield. So that was also part of it because I wanted them to have some diversity, equity, inclusion, but I still, we still have incidents that still sets a bad example. And I, I want to say that because I, I feel bad for my daughter. She's a teenager. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say it in a bad way, but I, I, they are going to be the most resilient group. But they've been through COVID. They were home for a year. They weren't able to engage with their friends, right? And then we see what happened with George Floyd. And we see all this stuff happening. And I told her the other day, I said, you're going to be one of the most resilient group of, of students or future, you know, or future leaders. And I still believe that. But honestly, the mental health challenges that they're having and the all the challenges and what I found, you know, with that, I think we're doing, we're trending well. But then with COVID and everything that happened, I feel like they feel more targeted now. Like every little thing they becomes an issue. And I try to explain to her that you know, it, it, they didn't mean it that way, but they're like, no, oh my God, this is a Karen, right? So I think that's one of the challenges that we have that the, the younger generation are faced with all of our challenges and it's just goes downhill, right? Everything, all the bad stuff goes downhill and they become the blunt of it. They see it, they feel it. So I think, I think one of the, I, as much as I'm an engineer, one of the things I think we need to really focus on, especially with the Gen Z's, millennials and younger folks is their mental health and I think that's going to be key to make it a more safer space and explain it and trying to get to them that you are going to be resilient. You guys are going to make it. And, you know, and honestly, I recently was divorced too, right? In the pandemic, it's been almost two years. And, but I want her to know that, you know, it wasn't because of the pandemic and the challenges, but some of it was right. And, you know, I think, I think providing all these platforms and resources that we already have strengthening them, is going to be one of the things that's going to help keep our kids and help keep business folks here because your mental health program, you know, um, you know, providing tons of resources, you know, having women have a choice of what they want to do, right? And all of this stuff that we continue doing, but you know, we still have there's still some stuff still we need to push, you know, and there's always the there's always going to be, you know, a business decision to everything, you know, like the cannabis resolution, right? I'm going to have it on my town planning and zoning this week. I love it once it's responsible, but there's going to be a lot of folks that don't. So I think as, as far as we are, there's a lot of challenges still that we have to overcome. 
but I think it starts with focusing on our younger generation and, and they're going to be resilient. They're going to be really tough, but I think we need to still provide tons of resources for them because in all our sectors, in engineering, nursing, whatever it is, they're going to be the foundation and the backbone. And if we don't start providing that core um, resources for them, you know, it potentially could crumble. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, jokingly, they're the ones who know how to use TikTok, right? Which is apparently the biggest thing in business now. So, but also, you know, if we do want kids to stay here and they do feel like they have the resources they need to work on their mental health, whether it's the institutions they're going to, like a state college providing free mental health care or their jobs or just it being more affordable for them to receive it, you're right. They're not going to go out of state. Um, they're going to stay here if they feel like they're taken care of here physically and mentally. So that's a really good point that I think we overlook sometimes because the cost of mental health care is, is insane, you know, and, and so is life right now. So it's easy for kids to put it on the back burner, especially when they're young and starting out and maybe going to a community college and don't have, you know, they're just worried about paying their tuition and not also, you know, getting the therapy they might need. Exactly, exactly. And it's key. It's very key and it's very important. And I know we're diverging a little bit here from the engineering part of it, but I think it's a key component to, you know, that's, as I said, as I mentioned, they're going to be the future and future nurses, engineers, architects, you know, and we need to, we need to safeguard them, you know, and protect them as much as we can. All right. So if you, this is my last question for you, but say someone is listening to this, they are maybe a junior or senior in high school, uh, maybe in a suburb or a city, and they're thinking about becoming an engineer, but they just see, you know, oh my gosh, it's a lot of school. It's going to be expensive. What's your advice to them? You know, I, I would say this, right? Um, there's tons of challenges out there, but I always say go with the low hanging fruit. I always say, um, you know, I've never regretted any decisions I've made in my life. So I always go with the low hanging fruit, um, but it's okay to step out and try new things and take on those challenges, right? Um, financially, try to secure yourself because you don't want to go into something that, you know, you're going to have a $250,000 debt at the end of it. More, a lot of people are trending that way, but reach out, like I said, resources, talk to your counselors at college, see how many areas are, are, are sorry, in high school how many opportunities are out there for scholarship? You know, there's book scholarships, there's, you know, they add up. You can apply to different, different type of organizations. Each one, you know, has a thousand dollar scholarship or 2000, they add up. Um, reach out to your local library. That's always the key um, area. Um, reach out to your local leaders, you know, reach out to your local leaders on city council, different boards or commissions. Like I said, TPZ, your party, your Democratic town committee parties, your Republican town committee parties. There's tons of resources and there's tons of people there who would be able to help you and give you a pad of, of least resistance or, you know, we can tell you where we feel and we want to make sure that that doesn't transpire to you, right? We want to make sure we can tell you how to do it. I know it's a challenge. I tried with my 16 year old and it's, you know, it's very, very, you know, they know everything, right? TikTok tells yeah. them everything. Mm -hmm. They can do everything. They don't need to hear from us, but I think um, it's okay to ask questions. And sometimes, believe it or not, some of your friends are good resources. Ask them, reach out to them. And at worst case, you know, reach out to any of us here. You know, we can help you. We can point you in the right direction. And um, all I say is that, you know, one of the big things that we are also pushing me nationally is, is the transportation equity part, right? Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that especially inner city kids, whereas what I came from, has the same resources as their friends in other areas, right? It's also transportation equity, but equity in the whole. It's very key. So believe it or not there's a lot of resources out there um 
I know there's a lot more hurdles for us in inner cities where I came from, but um, believe it or not, there's a lot of people willing to support you and support them. And, you know, just reach out, reach out to a lot of folks that are help. Don't feel that everyone is out to be against you. And even though the system is set up like that, there's tons of resources out there, but feel anyone can reach out to me anytime, you know, I can, I'll be happy to help out in any which way. And again, I grew up in Hartford, grew up in the Caribbean, came to Hartford, and, you know, I lived in Albany for almost, you know, eight years and then moved to the South End. So I've, I've, I've lived in Hartford for a while. So and technically I'm still in Hartford County because I'm in Bloomfield right now. So. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer. And if you want something, tell everyone what you want, because people are usually more willing to help you than stand in your way. And you never know what connection you make um, could be the person who's like, oh, wait, like actually my friend's looking for an intern this summer. It's just those small conversations that can always turn into something big. And that was going to be my last question, but you did bring up something interesting about that transportation equity. You know, obviously if you're in Hartford, it's, it's accessible to go to community college and capital um might not be as easy depending on where you live you know what are ways the state can fix that because there are you know we were talking to a manufacturing company that's out in westbrook and they're like yeah we have tons of jobs but there's no way to get here and that is such an interesting problem and it's a big problem for workers but it's an even bigger problem for students if they feel like they they can't get the um, education they need to even get the job out in the in the quote-unquote country you know no, absolutely. You know, and as I said before, the reason I went to the University of Hartford, honestly, because it was in the, it was in the bus line. Mm-hmm. I lived, I went to Capitol, which was downtown. And I think at the time I used to take the T bus to go home, but I realized if I took the T bus for another 20 minutes, I can go to the University of Hartford. And that's the only reason I chose the college. Mm-hmm. I, there wasn't a bus to UConn. There wasn't a bus to, you know, University of Bridgeport, at least from Hartford. So you're, you're absolutely right. And the transportation equity is providing those resources, right? We have to figure out a way as engineers working for the DOTs and clients to say, listen, we want to see to the table to help you with this transportation equity because the owners are sometimes in, in this case with DOTs and so forth, they're only going to be able to do what they can do within their scope as consultants, as engineers, and as people who live there. That's why it's always good to have people of minority and women at the table because of different perspective, right? Most of the folks back then commuted or drove in. If I had to see the table, the first thing I'm gonna say, well, I took the bus in for college and community college. How are we gonna make this project or this university or this accessible to certain people? Mm-hmm. And that's the key part of it. Comes back to diversity, equity, inclusion. Having people like us, having a seated table can bring those perspectives on how to improve that infrastructure and those challenges. Absolutely. Well, Kevin, it's been great to have you on. You provided so much insight, not only about how you got to where you were, but just about how we can make places a little bit better to work and and how to get to work. So thank you so much for joining us. No, I appreciate it. Thank you guys very much and continue doing a great job. And thank you for listening to this week's BizCast. You can listen and subscribe to our podcast on Apple, YouTube, SoundCloud, and for more episodes, you can also head over to cbia.com.